Look at page 253 in Freedom's Ring. And again, this is the book we've gone through. Actually, it's the second chapter. Page 253 in Freedom's Ring is, in, is titled, 13 Steps to Losing Your Salvation. Do you really want to lose it? And so we look through the first seven on page 254. Number one, you've got to declare the grace of God insufficient. Number two, you've got to find the faith of Jesus Christ faulty. Then on page 256, for number three, you've got to get Christ to take back His righteousness. And of course, this is all hypothetical. You can't do it. You're made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ when you get saved, and you, you don't lose it. You, you can't lose your salvation, because if you could, He'd have to take His righteousness back. Number four is uh, found on page 258, you would have to have the pardon removed from your sin. So you're pardoned, and the pardon would have to be taken back. And of course, you'd have to remove it. God's not going to. You're not stronger than God. It can't be done. The fifth one is on page 259, convince the Father to fail in His commitment to you. The sixth one on page 260 is break the Father, seal the Holy Spirit. Remember, you're sealed until the day of redemption. So if you're sealed to the day of redemption, then you would have to be able to break that seal. You can't break it. But the world would, you know, convinces people that they can lose their salvation. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. Wait, you know, we're gonna, we've done the first seven. Let's look at the seventh one. It's uh, on page 262. You'd have to change the meaning of everlasting. Everlasting and eternal both mean without end. The difference between the two is a matter of emphasis. Everlasting is a term of quantity, and eternal is quality, the kind of life. It's eternal. Uh, the, the quantity is everlasting, without end, without end. So let's, look, let's go ahead and get started on, on the next part. It's on page 263. The eighth thing out of 13 that we'll look at, that you would have to do to lose your salvation is you would have to reverse your birth into the family of God. So, the first seven, you forfeited the grace of God, the faith of Jesus Christ, His righteousness, your pardon, the safekeeping of your soul, God's seal, and you've successfully redefined everlasting... Now, the eighth step in this hypothetical loss of salvation involves the doctrine of regeneration or spiritually being reborn. Think about the first book in the Bible. It's called the, the, the book of uh, Genesis. Generation. Genesis. And so-and-so was born, he lived this long, and he died. That's the generations. And when you look at regeneration, that is a rebirth, that is being born again. So look at Titus, well, in your book, Titus 3, 5, on page 263, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So He saved us how? The washing of regeneration. Now there's some out there that teach that you're not born again. That was the nation of Israel. The problem is, they would say that Titus 3, 5 applies to the church, and if you are regenerated, if you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, if you become a babe in Christ, what does that mean? That's a new birth. That's being born again. 
being born again. So sometimes the most simplest things can change or answer the argument that's out there. You say, well, I've never heard anybody say that. I have, and it is quite prevalent. I'm just telling you, they, they, they're, they're, they're hyper-dispensationalists. They teach you, you're not born again. It's Israel. John 3, you must be born again. Israel is... No. I'm telling you that being born again goes all the way through. It doesn't just end with Israel while Jesus is walking on earth. We are regenerated. So let's look at what regeneration means. It means to be born again. Your salvation is the second birth. You are regened and I'm on page 264, or given a new spiritual DNA. Um, Now, I just saw Cochran look on the back of the book, and we had somebody do that Sunday morning. Yes, that's me. Did you look at the picture? Yes, it's me. I can always tell when somebody looks at it, because they're almost taken back by it. That was 1999. I wrote that book in 2007, so I kept the picture from 1999 to 2009. Then I went with this hairstyle. Which is a lot like your hairstyle, yeah. I, I, you know, you know what? Well, I won't go into that. I'll tell you later what the they they've done statistical tests with women, and they find us more appealing. Fifty nine percent of them. Yeah, and I'm making it all up, just so you know. <laughs> all right, if you've been born once, you die twice. If you're born twice. You may only die once. Now, why won't you die once? Well, because of the rapture. People say, well, it's appointed unto men once to die. You know, well, wait a minute. There are exceptions. Enoch never died. Enoch's not coming back as one of the two witnesses, but they use that verse. Well, here's the point. You may never die, so if it's appointed unto men once to die, you may be the exception. How many times did Lazarus die? Possibly two, because he was resurrected. So there are exceptions to the rule. The rule is, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. So look at John 1.12, it's on page 264, it's in verse 13 too. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but how were they born? Nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. See it? Just look at the context. You're born not of this, not of this, not of this. Then you are born of what? Born of God. What is that? Born again. The new birth. The regeneration. Your first birth is physical. Your second birth is spiritual. And that birth is of God. You become a child of God. Since you have now been born in the family of God, you you cannot become lost by denying that new birth. Think about it. This is the eighth thing that you would have to undo if you could lose your salvation. You do realize... Now, I'll just tell you this, and I, I mentioned it after they left. We had a, we had a wonderful family here. And, and they brought you know, another wonderful family with them. And they believe you could lose your salvation. And I taught out of a chapter in this book for the first time. And listen, it is what it is. I, I can't say... You know, I wish that we could all just agree... But we can only agree in truth. I can't compromise what I believe and what I know and what the Bible teaches simply because some nice people believe on the other side. There's a lot of nice people that believe wrong things. Since, all right, well, let's, let's look at it. The ninth thing on page 264, nullify your adoption by the Father. 
A saved person belongs to the Father in several ways. Number one, by creation, your new creature in Christ Jesus, He made us. Number two, by redemption, He bought us. You're redeemed, you're bought. Number three, by regeneration, we were born to Him. And then number four, by adoption, He adopted us into His family. He adopted Isn't that an amazing thing? I mean... You know, when, when you look at the thing and, and you realize how much you have at salvation, it's amazing. Amazing. Look at Galatians 4, 5, and 6. To redeem them that were under the law, that he, we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So what are you're adopted? You're adopted. The Christian receives that son then and thereby becomes a child of God. Look at Romans 8 verses 15 and 16. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The adoption You can't lose your salvation and become lost by simply ignoring your adoption. Adoption is a legal process affecting a complete change of parental rights. How many of you have ever read in the Bible, he said, your father the devil? You know, before you're saved, I mean, uh, that verse um, is John 8, 44. He said, you're of your father the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. You are, you are changed so drastically that your parental um, rights are with God, not with anything on this earth. It can no longer be said of you that you're of your father the devil. Uh, you've gained a new father through adoption. You have to somehow nullify that adoption by the father in order to lose your salvation. Can you imagine losing your salvation that way? The tenth one... The tenth one is that you'd have to separate yourself from the love of God. So here's the review. After you've surrendered the grace of God, the faith of Jesus Christ, His righteousness, your part, the safekeeping of your soul, and God's seal, and have successfully redefined everlasting, nullified your spiritual rebirth and adoption, the tenth step involves the supernatural, all-powerful love of God. The love of God. Ephesians 3.19 And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What does he say about the love of Christ? It passeth knowledge. You cannot understand the love of Christ without being saved. You just can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. You know, the Bible says the peace of God which passeth all understanding, Philippians 4, it comes through prayer. You and The world can't understand peace. I, we were at the doctor's office yesterday, had my first doctor's office visit, everything's good, and he just, you know, good blood pressure, good this, that, the other thing, all my blood work, great. But he asked me about, because he knew Judy was getting the, the biopsy, and I said, yeah, she's fine. He said, that's, that's, that tells you when you have strong faith like that. I thought, that's good. It's good testimony. Yeah, my, I, I tell you, she's told me, she says, look, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. 
And, and, and I'm not either. I, I, I'm just concerned in a selfish way. Sure. I am. I'm a typical man. My life will get harder if she has problems. That you say, that's selfish, selfish, yeah, and, and, and I love her, and I don't want her to have to go through it, and, and all that other stuff first, and then at the end, I'll put myself last, although I may be a little earlier than last, but I don't want her to get sick. I, listen, there's a lot of, you, you guys have seen, we, we talked about it, we, you know, we talked about the situation out there, you know, with Gerald, I mean, in and out of the hospital, and man, it's tough. And it's okay to feel that way. But you trust God. You know what? I I trust God. I trust God. Look at Romans 8, 35 through 39. It's on 265. You can look it up yourself. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Now, Now look, here's the context. Who, it says who, shall separate us from the love of Christ? Talking to Christians. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Here's the answer. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know what what a conqueror is? I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. In all those things mentioned, we, are more, we aren't just conquerors even. We are more than conquerors. You know what the, God, the Bible says? God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that worketh in you. I mean, God is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or even think. That's the Bible. That's the God we serve. That God can supply all your need in Christ Jesus. Listen, that God can do anything. One at a time, the the apostles came and they said, well, who then can be saved? You know, it's easier for a rich man or a camel to go through the eye of the needle and a rich man... Who then can be saved? With God, all things are possible. In other words, listen, if you trust in... Rich people have a problem. Many times. More so than poor people. You know what it is? They trust in riches. Poor people have a hard time trusting something they don't have. Got it? Okay, so he's saying rich people that trust in riches, it's hard for them to look and say, you know, I'm a self-made man. And and some of them do that. Lost people, they'll say, hey, I'm a self-made man. I'm this, I'm that. Let me tell you something. It is hard to get through to them. And I have dealt with many rich people that are lost. And I have worked with them, worked with them, and, and, and some of them never got saved. And, and they know the verses, you know, sell all you got and give to the poor and you shall have, you know, riches in heaven. Or, you know, and, and they believe in their religion that that means they got to they gotta do that to be saved. And they are unwilling to do that in order to, to follow what they believe because they, they love that money more than they love their soul. Anybody that loves anything more than their soul will not get saved. Pride. You love your pride more than your soul? Then you won't get saved. Why? Because your pride will keep you from admitting, number one, you're a sinner. Number two, Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. 
Number three, you can be saved simply by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in Him. And a, and, and a proud person will say, no, I got, it. I got where I am on my own. I don't need Jesus. Yes, you do. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a proud person to get saved many times too. So it isn't just rich. That was just the example he was using at the time. But he says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's going to be able to separate you? Yourself? Boy, you're more powerful than all that that I just read then. The point is, you cannot lose your salvation. Say, so how come churches teach that? Because they just have Scripture that they go and they hone in on, and that Scripture seems to teach that, and they don't rightly divide the Word of Truth. They don't understand how to look at the Scripture in context, and they take that one thing out, and then they just ignore Romans 8. That, this one passage right here. What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Height, depth. Then, then what does it say? Nor any other creature. That includes the devil. He can't separate you. He can't separate you. Neither Satan nor hell itself has produced power sufficient to sever a Christian from the love of Christ, love of God, which is, what does it say? In Christ Jesus. The question is this. Here, you got it? It's, it, it, it's there in the paragraph. Are you in or are you out of Christ? That's the whole question. Are you in Christ or are you out of Christ? If you are in Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And every Christian's in Christ. That divine love is remarkable, irreversible, and strong so that nothing is able to come between His love and the object of that love. What's the object of that love? Every born-again person. Object of God's love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing God. God sent down His Son from heaven's glory, made of a woman, became flesh, dwelt among us, lived a perfect life, died on that cross so that we could be saved. Why? Because God paid for your sins on that cross. The Bible says He took our sin upon Him. And that's why He died. Do you know Jesus could never die? He could have hung on that cross a million years and never died. Why? Because He wasn't a sinner. The wages of sin is death. He had no sin. There is no death. When could he die? When those sins, when he became sin for us. And you remember, who was it? Herod was amazed that he had died. They went and they were going to break all the legs of, uh, of, of the three that were hanging there. And they broke the first one. And, the, and, and they came to Jesus and they were surprised that he had died so quickly. He gave up the ghost. No man took his life from him. You do know that, right? The Bible says that. No man took it from him. He laid down his life for us because he loved us that much. And nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. question is, are you in or are you out? Look at the 11th one of the 13 we're going to look at. 
You've got to remove yourself from the premises of heaven. Page 266. So, what we looked at, you forfeited the grace of God, hypothetically. The faith of Jesus Christ, His righteousness, your pardon, the safekeeping of your soul, God's seal, and you've successfully redefined everlasting, nullified your spiritual rebirth and adoption, and managed to overpower and repulse the love of Christ. Now the eleventh one is your spiritual translation into heaven. At the moment of salvation, you are translated into heaven's glory. It's not a physical catching up promise to come later at the rapture. It's a spiritual translation that occurs at the moment of salvation. Enoch was translated physically. We are translated spiritually. The verse, Colossians 1, 12 and 13 giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of His saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. What did He do? He translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Notice you've been, you have been, past tense, translated into that kingdom. To translate means to bear a cross, and it's used in the Bible in reference to taking up into heaven. Look at Hebrews 11.5. For even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace he is saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You are made to sit together in heavenly places. That's why the whole church is together in heaven. A church is called out assembly. If we're all seated together in heaven, that's the church. See, people miss that and they get all these, you know, doctrine. Well, you know, the church can't be all believers because we're not, you know, we're not together. Yeah, we are. We are. You were dead in trespasses and sins until God quickened you or made you alive at salvation. The wonderful truth is that since you are in Christ and Christ is in heaven, then you are positionally and spiritually already in heaven with the rest of the church, which is His body. That's cool. Here's a poem. I'm already over on the other side waiting on my brand new body. I'm sitting up there in heavenly fare on the right hand of the Father. With a citizenship in heaven, I'm living in Christ, you see, I'm already there in Jesus, just waiting on my spiritual body to be. Isn't it amazing what words can convey? Can you become lost and fail to go to heaven if you are already there spiritually in Christ? Twelfth one, you'd have to take the Spirit with you to hell. You might be wondering why it would be written that way, but look, you'll see here in a minute. Ephesians 1.13 And I spent some time on this verse the other day. In whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance till the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. According to the strict order of the passage, number one, first you hear the word of truth, then you trust or believe the gospel, then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. The sealing of the Spirit occurs at the moment of salvation because Romans 8 9 says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You see, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not saved. 
You say, well, I, I thought they had to come in the book of Acts and lay hands on them and, and the Holy Ghost came, came on them, came in them, whatever. Yeah. Remember, the book of Acts is a transition book. The book of Acts, you don't have the completed Word of God yet. You have signs and wonders. You have tongues being given as a sign to the Jews. That's why people are so confused. Those sign gifts were given for the Jews because the Jews require a sign. Tongues are for a sign. 1 Corinthians 14.22 and 1 Corinthians 1.22. And that was all going on during that first century. And, and listen, there's a lot of things that went on that... That, that you may not understand unless you really study your Bible out, but if you study it, and you study it dispensationally or rightly divided, you can understand. When you're sealed with a Spirit, the Holy Spirit becomes your earnest. Now, we just signed a contract, glory hallelujah, on the house two days ago. So, we got the, they're going to be doing the survey next week, maybe, Lord willing. I don't know whether to say glory or oh me. And I, I also gave some earnest money. Earnest, the earnest of your inheritance of the redemption of the purchase possession. What is earnest? In buying real estate, you give earnest money to show that you're earnest or serious about buying maybe a house or something. It's a payment that cannot be taken back. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of your inheritance. He's the guarantee that you'll receive the rest of what God has promised. The Spirit, by definition, as your earnest, cannot be taken back, even if you were to become lost. Otherwise, you never had the Holy Spirit in, in earnest. Therefore, in order to lose your salvation, you must take God's Spirit with you to hell because you can't, he, he won't leave you. You're sealed till the day of redemption. He's your earnest. Therefore, if you, where you go, He's got to go. That's why it's written that way. What an impossible thing to lose your salvation. There are, but, but, and some of you have been in meetings with me when I've talked to people that believe you can lose your salvation. Well, then you believe you can do whatever you want to do. I do believe that. What do you want to do? Why are you here on a Wednesday night? Yeah. Why, why, why am I not out, you know, partying? I don't want to. I, did I at one time? I sure did. I got in sin. Sin controlled me. And sin sent me down this path. And I kept going down and down and down and down. Until one day I said, you know what? If I don't turn this thing around soon, I, it ain't going to happen. And I prayed for the first time in three years. Just like that. The guy that invited me to this church in 1980 was in Bible college in 1980, let me see, 84. He was finishing up. He got me to come over there to Bible college. Everything changed. I told you this, and I'll tell you again, I couldn't look anybody in the eye. I'd, well, I, man, these spiritual giants in this church, these perfect holy people... They never sin, never do anything. And here I am, a dirty, rotten, no good, low down that left my Lord three years earlier. Now I know you all just a bunch of sinners like me. I know that now. I didn't know that then. Just kidding. And you are. And we are. That's why I don't stand in judgment on, on, on a lot of people. I, listen, I, I'd be a Pharisee if it wasn't for God. 
And because of God, I'm not a Pharisee. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't condone and justify sin and living a sinful life. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Don't believe it's right. But I'm not going to look at somebody that's out there in the world as a Christian and give up on them. You know why? Eddie never gave up on me. I still have the letters Eddie wrote me once a year. He'd write me a letter. How you doing? He didn't know I was out there in the world. Man, I'm smarter than that. I ain't going to tell somebody that I care about. I'm a dirty, backslidden, in need of chastening. And God was chastening me. Man. And the ways of escape, that's why I know the way of escape exists every single time because I had so many opportunities. I didn't take them. There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The problem is we don't take the way to escape. I didn't. Let's look at the 13th one. It's on page 269. The 13th one is you'd have to take the sun with you to hell. So, here's the synopsis of the first 12. After you forfeit the grace of God, impossible, the faith of Jesus Christ, His righteousness, your pardon, the safekeeping of your soul, and God's seal, and you have successfully redefined everlasting to where it doesn't mean everlasting anymore, you nullified your spiritual rebirth and nullified your adoption, you repulsed the love of Christ and departed heaven's glory, taking the Holy Spirit with you to hell... Then we come to the 13th one that revolves your relationship with Christ. I mean, stop. (laughs) It it can't be done. You say, well, why do people believe you can lose your salvation? Because keeping your salvation as a sinner makes no sense. Unless, unless God is who God is. Your salvation wasn't about you. And the keeping of your soul is not about you. It's all about Him. That's it. What's your responsibility? Submit to Him. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable one to God, which is your reasonable service. Submit to Him. Give your life to Him. Present your body as a living sacrifice to Him. And if you'll do that, Everything will be all right. You wake up tomorrow, present your body a living sacrifice. You wake up the next day, present your body a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. God doesn't want you to hurt yourself or starve yourself to death or beat yourself or whatever. That's not God. God is gracious. God is loving. God is merciful. God is kind. God is long-suffering. And we have redefined God and made Him some type of judge in heaven with a sledgehammer waiting for you to mess up so He can bop you on the head and say, See, you're dirty, you're rotten, and I don't love you anymore. That's not the God of the Bible. That's the God of the Baptist many times. And I'm a Baptist. But I've been saved 40 years. So I've never seen God bop one of His loved ones on the head. Not one time. I've seen God be gracious and merciful and chastening 
He'll chasten you. Why? Well, any parent doesn't chase their chi- chasten their child. I never chased my children. I told them, I said, I will catch you, and then you will not like the end result. I still remember Heather. We adopted her when she was three, and she was in that backyard, and she was starting to run from me, and I looked at her, and I said, Heather, stop. I will catch you, and I will wear you out twice as hard if you don't stop. I said, it's not going to be fun when I come over there. So I came over there. I didn't whip her. I rewarded her. I whipped her twice the second time for something else. (laughs) She doesn't know that. Steph, if you're watching, Heather, which I know you're not, (laughs) step number 13, take the sun with you to hell. Look at uh, Romans 8, 16, and 17. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, with, that we may be also glorified together. And salvation become a joint heir with Christ. To be a joint heir means that you are going to inherit together. If you lose your salvation and go to hell, what does that mean? As a joint heir, not only do you share in his inheritance, but you share, he shares in yours. The only way for you to inherit hell and all of its horrors is to take the Son of God with you to that awful place. That's it. Thirteen steps to losing your salvation. Not a one of them alone is doable. Now, those are your books to keep. Um, I don't know. We may go through some more. I think we went through um, what happened to me. Took us to chapter 15. Went through chapter 15 and 13. I do like 11. 11 is, I did a, a gospel track on it. I may go through 11 when I come back. So we'll send out an email, let you know to bring those books um, when I come back. And the reason is because, listen, I'm able to go over a lot of material by using the book, and I wrote the book. So, you know, it's, it, it's, um, it's concise, you know, aren't as many rabbit trails, although I do like going rabbit hunting every now and then. But if you go back to the end of the chapter on page 277, there's a summary of the 13 steps to losing your salvation. Look at it. Let me go over them one more time. Number one, declare God's grace insufficient for yourself. Number two, find the faith of Christ to be faulty. Number three, you must get Christ to effectively revoke His righteousness and you must take back upon yourself the sin for which He died. Number four, you, need to lo- you have to lose the full pardon that you received at the time of salvation. Number five, somehow get God to falter in His commitment to you. Number six, break the Father, seal the Spirit. Number seven, change the meaning of the word everlasting to something that no longer means without ending. Number eight, remove yourself from God's family tree. Number nine, nullify your adoption by the Father. Number ten, muster the strength to overcome and separate yourself from His great love. Number eleven, leave the premises of heaven. Remove yourself from your position in Christ. 
Number 12, take God's Spirit with you to hell. Number 13, the only way for you to inherit hell and all of its horrors is to take the Son of God with you to that awful place. I just want you to understand what you have in Christ. One of the problems is I don't think we really understand how blessed we are to be saved. If you and I would focus on the blessings of God, living for God would be a lot easier. The problem is we take our focus off of God and we put our focus on man. And you you look at man and you look at people and they hurt you. They treat you badly. And you get disillusioned with life. You can't do that. You can't let yourself... Because even the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, our problem isn't here. There's a lot of fighting that goes on between Christians. Our battle is a spiritual battle in heavenly places. You know what your greatest strength is? Is prayer. That's why I appreciate... Do I say this? Facebook. I appreciate being able to send out a prayer request on Judy this morning. And I watched the people comment and, and like and love and all that that went on. And if you're not on there, that's fine. If you didn't see it, that's fine. But a lot of people did. And I, I, I actually showed Judy. I said, here, read that. And she went through and she read every comment. And then I hit on the ones that liked it or loved it. And I said, here, Go through there, and she could see everybody that... She says, I don't even know a lot of these people. I said, yeah, but they're praying for you. Hey, your, your strength is prayer. That's how you speak to God. How does God speak to you? Through His Word. Through His Word. All right. Well, we're finished, and I want you to stand together if you're able to stand. Let me close in prayer. Lord, I do thank you for your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, for... Being such a gracious and merciful God, we love you. We just ask that during this invitation time, you touch hearts and lives in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you something. I've asked you the last couple of times. If you're not sure you're saved, you'd like me to pray for you. And listen, if you raise your hand and you need to talk, just let me know. I'm not going to pressure people, but I will pray for you, like I said. I will meet with you if you want.